also brought to you by the Boatyard in Fort Lauderdale. Eat local, but stay coastal at the Boatyard Restaurant. The Boatyard is located at 1555 Southeast 17th Street in Fort Lauderdale. That means you can come by boat or you can come by car. Enjoy the nautical atmosphere whether you sit inside in the cold AC or outside on the patio bar. The Boatyard has something for everyone. Monday through Friday, happy hour. Where local favorite is bar bites and handcrafted cocktails. Open for lunch, dinner, and the popular Sunday brunch. And don't forget, ladies night. Every Thursday night from 7 to 10 p.m. where ladies drink free. Dock and dine at the famous Boatyard in Fort Lauderdale. I am sure you'll have a great experience. Clear the airways. The Lunker Dog is on the air. Are you ready? This is the Real Guy Podcast. Uh, Burst and I would go on these, we get on these spurts where we might go five days in a row. Oh, wow. Bone fishing. And then we roll down to Black's Point. It would take us about, from Burst's house, because he lived close to 95, I don't know, 45, 55 minutes. And we put in at Black's Point. And then uh, we'd bone fish all through South Biscayne Bay. Is that near uh, Ragged Key or? That's further south than Ragged Key. Turkey Point? Well, Turkey Point's pretty pretty south. That's like way down and towards the end of Biscayne Bay. That's near the power plant, right? Yeah, it's right before you get to the power plant. Okay. But there's all sorts of flats back there. And um, I don't know, we would hit it pretty hard. You know, but you're talking, I mean, it was 20 years ago. So there was probably a heck of a lot more fish back then, too. I don't know if there was more or less back then. I mean, I remember Biscayne Bay's gone through some ebbs and flows with their fishery. But we never had a problem finding plenty of bonefish permit. Um, and we would go, you know, pretty much morning trips, get out on the flats. And we weren't real particular. We'd just find a flat and start pulling around. <laughs> Who did most of the polling? Me. Me. Um, I wanted to do most of the polling. I was more into finding the fish and trying to figure out, you know, how the flats work, deep side of the flats, how the slopes were, where there might be grass that, that ends up being rocky or grass that ends up being sandy. And then, you know, that was kind of important to me. And then I always had the mentality that I was going to put my, you know, buddies on fish. Was Did Bursa ever drive you nuts at first when you would try to point out the fish and Oh, yeah, everybody would drive you nuts. It gets hectic. It gets hectic. And then, you know, you're fishing with your buddies, so it's not like you're holding back, you know? <laughs> so, you know, it, it gets pretty hectic. But um, you guys are listening to The Real Guy Podcast. I got Stephen Busaka in the studio today. Welcome, Steve. What's going on, brother? Good to have you. Thanks, man. Before we get into the podcast, we're going to talk about tide junkies and tides and what I think about it and people's mis conceptions about it and perceptions about it and all that kind of stuff but before we get started this episode is brought to you by the tarpon river brewery in downtown fort lauderdale where the real guys drink we can get a real fisherman's lager tarpon river brewery proud sponsor of the real guy podcast also uh let's give our second sponsor a shout out that's mike Grimm and real reports realreports.com is where fishing reports come in from all over the country especially the coastal states, Texas, Louisiana, Florida, Alabama, Mississippi, Florabama, Georgia, all through the Carolinas, the Mid-Atlantic, and all the way up to Massachusetts. Real reports. When you want to get a report, if you're going to have a travel 
If you're trying to figure out a travel destination, you want to try to catch a fish, it's where you can get the pertinent information. And thanks for being a sponsor of the Real Guy Podcast. Now, Stephen. Jeff. You acted like you knew something about tides. <sighs> Jeff, if there's one thing I've learned from hanging out with you is don't ever think that you know something because when you think that you know something, there's a pretty good chance you don't know nothing. <laughs> Very it's- good. Very good. So this, I think this podcast will probably be fairly productive. Um, you know, I have a term that I use, and I tell the other guides especially, but also the, you know, the other fishermen that are you know, out there trying to figure out the best places and when to catch their fish. And I always warn people. I said, don't be a tide junkie. Now, Jeff, explain to them what you mean by tide junkie. I'm explaining to you. <laughs> what I mean by Tide Junkie, and then hopefully... You're going to learn me something today, right? Right. I'm going to explain to you what I mean by Tide Junkies, and hopefully that makes it crystal clear for everybody. All right. Yeah. Now, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that tides are irrelevant, or that tides aren't important. They are. No, they're extremely important, and you are going to catch fish according to what the tides are. But that's different than being a Tide Junkie. Explain. All right, now like a tide junkie, your typical tide junkie, and we have quite a few of them in the tarpon game. And it's most of, mostly a wintertime thing. But in the winter, in uh, Biscayne Bay and Miami, North Biscayne Bay, you know, we have the shrimp that come out of the bay. And it's usually a nighttime thing, although it can happen during the day, but it's usually a nighttime thing. It's usually, not always, but usually on the outgoing tide. So let's say, for instance, today the outgoing tide, and it's winter time, starts at 7 p.m. So that's about an hour, close to an hour into the darkness. Now the very next night, it's almost an hour difference. So the next night will be 8 o'clock. The following night, 9 o'clock. The following night, 10, 10 o'clock. o'clock. Right. Yeah. So these fishing experts these tide junkies think that they have this tarpon game figured out so they get addicted to that particular tide and they change their trips and their schedule their clients to fish later and later into the night until the tide turns back around so you have these guides would be like okay we're going to start our trip at 10 30 at night tonight because they know that the outgoing tide is going to start at 11 30 so they're going to it's a late night. Right. They're going to schedule that, that, that fishing trip for a late night trip because the tide's going to go out. And they're basically hooked on that tide. Now, there's nothing wrong with scheduling weird hours to catch fish <laughs> if that's what it takes. <laughs> well, what are you laughing at? You know, I used to do something similar when I would fish for snook on the beach. No, I mean... I it, mean, you know... It's, no, it's, it's... Dude, it's not... It's not like it's something that you shouldn't do, but being a junkie, which means you're addicted to it, which means you can't not not do it. You know what I mean? So in a guide situation where you may take your clients out at 11 o'clock at night, and if it's a five-hour trip, think about that. You get them home at three or four in the morning. morning. Right. Imagine if they didn't catch anything. How upset the person would probably be. Well, whether they catch something or not, they might still have a great trip or not. Yeah. But the idea that you feel like you have to schedule that trip into the night in order for you to catch something, it doesn't necessarily work like that. In the winter, 
you can catch fish, especially tarpon, on all the tides. Now, you can't catch them the same way at the same spots. They're not the same fish necessarily. But you can catch them. You can catch them on the slack tide. You can catch them on the incoming tide. You can catch them on the outgoing tide. And there's different ways and different places that the tide affects your decision-making on where or where not you should fish. So basically what you're telling people is that you don't necessarily, because it sounds like people got the one spot, and that one spot they know that at the outgoing tide, that's when the tarpon are going to hit. So they start scheduling their trips around those tides. What they really should start doing is going, okay, I know at the incoming tide, over at this spot, they'll still be hitting. Well, yeah. Is that kind of what you're saying is that people should be more focused on the spot as opposed to the tide? Well, I think, I think fishermen, if you want to consistently catch fish, and in my opinion, consistency is the true form or the true gauge that's going to separate a great fisherman from a good fisherman. It's about how consistent you can be. You know what I mean? <coughs> you have to be able to catch fish on a consistent basis no matter what the weather does, no matter what the tide does. And when you're in that tide junkie mentality, you cannot learn the other ways to catch the fish because you're constantly chasing that one tide, that one way to do it. You can't grow you can't really grow as an angler, is basically. As an angler or as a guide or and and it's a, it's a just a I'm not saying it's the wrong thing to do. I'm just saying that you can get dependent on that and it will hamper the other aspects of fishing. For instance, my trips, to make it simple, um, I'm more worried about the time of day that I'm fishing than the tide. The tide. I never really even worry about what the tide's doing because I can't control that. You know what I mean? Yeah. And... I firmly believe, especially with tarpon, you know, the hour before the sun goes down and the hour after the sun goes down, regardless of the tide, is the best two hours to catch them. And even that is not 100% fact. You know, you can't depend on that. Sometimes you catch all your fish in the first two hours. Sometimes you don't get a strike until after three hours. And that's just fishing in general. But to think in a tide junkie mentality that you're going to game the system and you're going to be able to use that outgoing tide method methodology or whatever every day all the time it's it's going to hurt you more than it's going to help you i mean are you, are you following me i am yeah because i mean once you learn something like that like the outgoing tide thing okay you put that in your tackle box and just like you have your lures in there or your hooks, you got big hooks, small hooks, circle hooks, and you got Split them for shots. right. You got them for different occasions. Diff different occasions. It's the same mentality you need to take with the tide. Okay, I got an incoming tide. Well, obviously that shrimp thing and the lights um, on the outgoing tide isn't going to work because it's an incoming tide. So there's areas that you fish on the incoming tide. Now the the whole philosophy of why the fish are eating on that outgoing incoming tide is kind of the same. Fish will stack up in certain areas to take advantage of a feeding situation. The one thing that I know is going to happen, or I shouldn't say, it's, it's never a guarantee, 
But the majority of time, especially with the tarpon, like I said, is they're going to eat an hour before the sun goes down to an hour after the sun goes down. That's the happiest time for them, regardless of the tide. You know what I mean? There's certain bridges where on an outgoing tide, you want to fish right up under the bridge. You know what I mean? But on the incoming tide, it's not like the fish aren't there. But on incoming tide, that same bridge, those fish may settle 50 or 100 yards on the down current side of the bridge. You know what I mean? So it's the same spot, totally different tide. 100 yards away from where you thought you should be fishing on outgoing tide, you can catch them on the incoming tide. You know what I mean? So now let's, let's, let's like, okay, so that's how it goes for tarpon. Mm-hmm. So now let's talk about, so going back to what we were talking about earlier, Biscayne Bay with the bonefish right. on the flats. Right. Now, do you think that the tide plays a, more, of a, more or less of a role in catching bonefish on the flats no, as prob- opposed to? Probably more of a role. You know, I mean, bonefish are very tide sensitive and flats are very tide sensitive. But if you take a really good flats guide, he knows where he can catch them on the incoming tide. He knows where he can catch them on the outgoing tide. He knows what may be a slack tide spot. You know what I mean? And regardless of what the tide's doing, the, the guide can make his adjustments. He doesn't need the tide to catch a fish. You know what I mean? Or a certain tide to catch a fish. He needs a certain tide for a certain area in a certain situation, maybe. But you need to have a dozen of those. And then according to what the tide does is irrelevant because you have 12 different options according to what the tide and the weather are doing. And that's what I mean. Don't be a tide junkie. Don't feel like there's a certain tide for a certain fish. And if you do figure that out, good. It's good that you have that. But that's just one of the 12 situations. And that's the difference of being a tide junkie and fishing tides. Yabish? Dude, you see, this is why I love coming over. I always learn something new. Well, it's kind of, you know, it's, it's funny because in fishing, um, you know, people are passionate about it. And they're passionate about it whether they're in your situation where you're getting your first bonefish and now you're going to get your first permit and you're learning, you know, as you go and you're trying to figure stuff out. All the way to guys like me that have been doing it for 30 friggin' years, you know. And to have somebody like you trying to learn that, there's guys like me that are like, well, hey, you know, the kid's trying, so you want to try to share the knowledge. You know? Send the elevator back down, right? Yeah, send the <laughs> elevator back down. I like that one. You like that? Yeah. You know, I just, I always think about, you know, like I, I was really focused on the tide back when I was doing Snook on the Beach because, and you know, I, you and I have spoken before about how Dania Beach just works differently than basically the rest of the state, you know, and I kind of had to learn because I, I could go to, say, another beach like Juno Beach. And even on the outgoing tide, I was able to get them. But for some reason, Dania Beach, I was only ever able to get them. Well, I mean, mind you, we're talking early in the morning too. But it was always the best time to catch them was that incoming tide. But it had to be, <coughs> I mean, it had to be, and I remember this too, the high tide had to be at 8, eight o'clock was the best time to get them. 
Yeah. And I, and, but again, but so you know, I probably became a little bit of a tide junkie. I would still go out. Dude, that's not a Thai junkie. But. That's not a Thai junkie. You're just trying to, you know, make an educated decision. Yeah. And, you know, you do that the best you can. And, and you know, you're, you're, you're kind of, you know, you're kind of retarded if you don't do that. But, I, I mean, you look at my YouTube videos on the beach fishing. I got During snook and tarpon, low tide, high tide, afternoon, morning, middle of the day. You know what I mean? There's certain times where, uh, especially on the beach, where you think you know when they're going to be when there. Yeah, when everything's going to be, you know, happening and the best scenario. I mean, we got video of the beach, Dania Beach, your stomping grounds. You know, there's only like a foot and a half of water for like, you know, 30 yards out. And we're just crushing the snook. Well, let me tell you what I think I, I what I've kind of learned to adjust my views on the tide are at Dania Beach. The high tide was your best chance of getting them on an artificial. Because I told you, I just walked. I didn't really stand still. I remember one time I went down there late afternoon. The tide, I think, was slack, but it was low. This freaking dude pulled in a slot snooky, but he was using live pilchard. Yeah, yeah. And I walked by the same spot, throwing a paddle tail. Nothing. So I think that the argument could be made is there's just a better time to get them an artificial at a certain tide. I don't know if for whatever reason it made them just not as afraid to hit it. I don't think there's any right, wrong answer when you're fishing the beach. I think, you know, you do what works. If you caught some snook, you know, in the trough because the tide was real high. All right, well, great. Now you know that there's snook in the trough when the tide's real high. But it doesn't mean that you can go out there when the tide's dead low and not get them. You know, I've been down there when the tide's dead low and there's so many snook that they're pushing the freaking, you know, schools of bait, you know, in six inches of water. And that's what happened to me this year. Right. Remember a few months back? Right. Those snook I was catching, the water was literally maybe six inches deep. And that's where they were hitting. Listen, let's not make this podcast like crazy long. Yeah. Just do me a favor. The next time you obsess about what tide you're fishing and everything, just remember that Captain Jeff told you. Not to be a tide junkie. And I hope that helps everybody out that's trying to learn something or trying to know something. Being a tide junkie can hurt you as much as it can help you. Anyway, run that dog. I hope you enjoyed the episode. That's the shepherd, Stephen Busaka, and I'm Captain Jeff. Run that dog.